everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Really excited to bring you the show. Before we get into it, just a few little items of housekeeping. Wanted to remind everybody that we've got that new Spotify playlist up, the Cloud-Based Mayhem playlist. That's just yours to grab. You can find that on Spotify. You can also find it on the website and on the Facebook feed on Cloud-Based Mayhem. And then we still got this giveaway going. We're going to keep this going to the end of the month. I've got a Flymaster Vario, a B1, a little bit older one, but it still works great. And I've got a Power Traveler uh, spare battery. I think that's 8,000 milliamp battery. But I got the 2015 X house, but it's brand new, never been used. So if you need an extra battery for when you're flying or for Volbiv or whatever, that's there. And then I've also got a NOCO 15, sorry, five watt solar panel, which is a little light. You need a little bit more than that in my experience for proper Volbiv, but definitely enough to keep your phone up or an extra battery up for a quick little one or two day trip pretty lightweight and that's brand new and that comes with a couple different batteries so um, how we're going to do that one is that rather than doing the ratings and stuff like what we've done in the past is just spreading it via social media so you know if you spread it on a Facebook group or put it in a forum or just tell your friends and you come up with some kind of cool little jingle or way that people will actually listen to the show and maybe get some new listeners um, just make sure I know about it and you'll be in to win one of those three great things again I'll announce that at the end of the month uh, social media, we've been getting, we've had a few people put their hand up to help us out with social media. Thank you so much. So we, I think we've got the UK, most of Europe, and uh, where else? Romania, a couple of the places covered, but I'm still looking for somebody to help us out in North America. I think Australia and New Zealand were pretty good, but um, just looking for somebody to kind of put, you know, when we put up a, a new show to just spread it around a little bit on the different Facebook groups and that kind of thing, the different paragliding and hang gliding and clubs uh, so if you want to help us do that that would i would really appreciate it it'd be a great way to support the show and uh yeah let's get into this talk i just got a phone with zandy he teaches siv and he's a, he's a test pilot for ecoro he teaches siv in gerlitzen and acro i've uh, been in the game since the late 80s has a fascinating history uh, i've been a test pilot for many many years uh, so in this show we get into siv and maneuvers that are really important and how uh how a, a wing becomes kind of from paper to a real product and through certification and hits the mass market lots of fascinating things uh, we talk we don't really talk about accidents uh, but we talk about how to avoid them and he's just he's got He's got a lot of good perspective because he's been at it for a long time. Uh, this came to us through one of our Patreon listeners. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get to put in for somebody you really like to see on the show. And I try as hard as I can to make that happen. So here is one of those. Please enjoy this talk with Zandy uh, straight from Gerlitzen. I think you're going to dig it. Zandy, welcome to the mayhem. It's so awesome to have you on your show. On the show, it's uh, I really appreciate your patience. It's been a couple months that we've been trying to link up and and make this happen. Shout out to Warner for introducing me to you. Uh, I, I I didn't actually put it together until recently that one of uh, my one of my Bibles, Acrobatics, was actually co-authored by you. So uh, it's, it's exciting for me to have you on the show. Why don't why don't we start off with, um, you know, for those who aren't familiar with your background, because I know you, we were just talking before we hit record, uh, your background's in acro and testing and, and being a test pilot, but um, take me back to your beginnings, you know, how did it, how'd you get into flying and, and get us up to speed? Hey, <laughs> nice to be on your show. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> yeah, it's great well, to talk to you. The story of my flying thing, it, it began when I was a little child, you know, it's like this typical dream when, uh, when, 
when a child starts to run and to see and detect things and then suddenly this dream is coming out in in this child's brain you know to wow to to fly to get airborne to feel like a bird and something but you know as a child you don't have the chance to take off and fly maybe you have a father who has a paragliding school but my one <laughs> my daddy didn't have it but he was a passionate um radio controlled airplane pilot so he was totally in, in the construction the airplane stuff and taking me to the airfield every weekend where he tried out his his new planes and that was my contact actually with with flying and i was i also got totally into it and was was making my own designs my own radio controlled models and stuff and then with 16 or 17, I think I was like that. Yes. My father brought a paraglider as a present <laughs> and then I took it on a hill and, and I, I knew actually how flying is working somehow because I was with these airplanes around and the first takeoff went well. And then I was on the beginner's hill making my first steps with 16 or 17 with the paraglider behind the family's house there was no flight school around or something and what year was this um what year was this it was 1986 uh, or 80 uh, 1989 wow was, so right back in the beginning yeah okay cool yeah this was the beginning and my mother thought it was dangerous and she said no <laughs> don't don't make experiments with that thing anymore stay on the ground but i had my motorbike and so i i hided my paraglider in the wood and i said to my mama i go just for motorbiking and then i went into the wood grabbed the paraglider went into the mountain and and i made my forbidden flights there and i went to these hills where we have been before with the airplanes we knew where the firmers were there and there I started to firm love with my paraglider and, and, and everything worked out in the beginning because I had my basics already from these radio control things. Hmm. And in 1995, I made the license, the paragliding license. I went to the flight school and said, hey, I want to, uh, I, I need a license actually because once I was landing in the farmer's field and I had no license and he called the police and I got in some little troubles. So, was this was this in Carlitzen or where 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 were you back then? Um, my hometown is half an hour away from Gerlitzen, uh, so from Gerlitzen to east Klagenfurt. It's my hometown, and there are some hills around with one thousand or one thousand five hundred meters. And there, I made my first steps. I also knew about Gerlitzen, but I knew also that you just can fly there if you have a license. And then, so in nineteen. 93 4 5 i managed to get this license and and to continue with that hobby actually since that time it was just a hobby because my normal profession then was i'm uh, normally i'm i was primary school teacher mm. that's what i've learned actually in the beginning to have a normal job you know mm. but i never did it <laughs> i i i stuck in paragliding <laughs> okay gotcha in Nine, uh, in 2001, 2002, I I had my plan. So just like how 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 can I live from paragliding? 
Okay. Um, because you need your 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 money to stay alive somehow, and and so I tried to manage this with some tandem flights. I made my first SIVs for students, and and so all this started in in two thousand two. Yes. And, and so up until that then, point, were you still were you still teaching in, um, in, in primary school? Yes. So in in that in in that transformation um period i i did both actually yes and then i i quit this job of, of teaching and stuff and um started to become a professional paraglider <laughs> gotcha cool <laughs> yeah more exciting funny and what by define define professional paraglider was it was it more your own personal flying or was it more you know with the school and the tandems and teaching yeah, you should find a mix between of earning some money with flying and otherwise spend spend as much time as possible in the air to to get experience, to to come further, to learn some maneuvers or to fly bigger distance or whatever. So it was always a mixture of of uh, learning and getting experience, but on the other hand, also working like flying tandems or teaching simple stuff in in SIVs, you know. Mm, mm, okay. And, and was, were you kind of at that, at that stage, kind of early two thousands, were you more drawn to cross country flying acro or kind of all of the above? Oh, it, it, it was a mixture of everything. Um, but these gliders, they, they were not so good in performance actually in, in these times. And suddenly I was more and more motivated when I, when I came to cloud base to make some maneuvers to, Make a spiral or wing over, so asymmetric spiral looping, full stores, spins like these maneuvers. What we were flying in the past when we didn't know how a sat is working or something. Mm. Um, and actually, I got more addicted to this to this maneuver flying. Yes, I I still also nowadays I fly I fly cross country, but just for testing prototypes and and making comparison to the other wings. Uh, but the uh, flying acro was it it became more passion in 2002 yes mm. and i totally got into it then in 2003 okay and then so the last so 2003 2004 i understand you started working for icaro in 2004 yes uh, before i was flying for independence gliders mm -hmm. and some wings of change and edel edel the old brand from markus grünthammer um, and then on two, in 2004, I switched to Icaro. Yes. And that's where I'm still now. Okay. And how do you kind of divvy up time these days, you know, between, between teaching and your own personal flying, like, like with acro and that kind of thing, or with cross country, did you compete as well? Um, I competed, I competed some national, uh, cross country competitions, but also just for uh, getting knowledge out of my prototype and what I was working on. Because all the time when I come to the flying mountain, I have at least two or three prototypes in my car. Hmm. It's like uh, maybe a freestyle prototype, an ENB prototype, a, a prototype for paramotoring or beginner's wing or whatever. And so I have the plans for today. And if I need to to see how the performance in full accelerated speed with my prototype is or how is it climbing in thermals to compare it to the others. So that's why then I, I, I go to a cross-country competition to make this comparison. Mm. But I don't 
I don't take a serial wing and put my flight on the XC contest, for example. Mm. I always have these prototypes when I'm, where, where I'm working on. Yeah, nowadays it is like that. that the summer is completely different to wintertime. In summertime, I'm really, really busy with SIVs. And since two years, I have my own landing field and my own little bar at, at, at Gerlitzen. Uh, it needs a lot of time to organize that. I have eight tandem pilots flying there for me. And during my SRVs, I also make lots of testing work. And now when autumn and winter is coming, I have a work office in, um, uh, designing harnesses. Wow, busy so guy. That's what I do in wintertime. Designing, designing harnesses. The Acro harness is really getting into production right now. Cross-country harness is coming next year. Beginner's harness is also coming next year. So nowadays, now in the wintertime, I'm sewing a lot and making a few test sessions on the Canarian Islands to try out the new prototypes. But I'm more in the construction work in wintertime and springtime. It's big test sessions all the time and summer testing, working, SIVs. Yes. No time for acro competitions anymore and nothing. <laughs> yeah, and there's all and these days it requires so much training, doesn't it? It's tough. I'm forty one already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't feel too bad for you. I'm forty five. Good goodness gracious. It's, <laughs> time flies, doesn't it? Well hey there you brought up a lot of things that I want to dive a little bit deeper into. But first um I, I don't think many of our listeners are very familiar with, with one, just what it is to be a test pilot, but also just how can you kind of take us through briefly, I know there's a lot of stops along the way and there's a lot of elements to this, but you know, how what what's involved in bringing a wing from, you know, dream stages where it's just a, a thought in your mind to a reality uh and and also yeah. i'm if you could maybe give a little bit more background on icaro as well because i'm not very familiar with their wings like what what are their you know what are they known for what are their um you know what are their kind of most one of their most selling wings most selling wings is the enb category with icaro so that that's what uh, where they focus on because the enb category is the biggest market mm -hmm. actually when you want to sell gliders mm -hmm. in a big amount you need everything in the enb class you need a low enb glide medium enb high enb in the future you also need two uh gliders a really slow and brave one and uh, another one with a uh, more more esprit and a bit more speed so this is the main market mm -hmm. we are working on mm -hmm. and all the rest like acro and freestyle gliders it's also a kind of market but not a really big one and the cross-country wings enc class is quite interesting and the end is also big thing for promotion and for getting good results in, in the big competitions and the knowledge what you get there you can put it also a bit into the serial class but um, if you want to just sell wings you need to focus on normal gliders mm. e and e b and some c gliders yes and that's what icaro is focusing on if we bring out a new glider it's same like all the time, the boss, the guy on the computer, so the guy who's making the buttons on, on the software, so the, the designer and the main test pilot is sitting together and, and, and we create a plan, you know, what do we need in our new glider? Mm. Because nowadays you, you should have 
not so many lines. Everything should be light. You should have best performance. You should have the best passive safetyness you can get out of it. And then you get the first prototype. And so when you get the first prototype, you have to calculate about one or two years of working on that project until it's ready. Okay. And the process, the process is like when you get your new product out from the factory, you just lift it off in the wind and you see, <laughs> is it fly, is it flying or not? of wrinkles or is the cannot be right clean so how is the base and then you start to work on that base to get the wrinkles out to to make the first glides to see how it's reacting on the brake what did the designer make with this new concept and then you start to get out all out uh, to get the wrinkles out to get a good performance to get a nice handling for that you need at least three or four prototypes until this thing is has a nice flying character and then that's the big part you have to get it through the certification so that means that on one day i make about 30 to 50 full accelerated collapses and in every collapse i fly close to the canopy it's like it's it's um it's really hard actually to if you have a glider with a good character and and you think that that might be the taste of the pilots what they want to have out there the the feeling what the glider gives you when you fly um to get this project also through the maneuvers mm-hmm. and that's then a tricky part to to get it to get the maximum passive safety and to keep the good character of the glider for sure you can make some loops in 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 the in the uh, triangle buckles on on the risers to make it slow, and then the maneuvers might be good, but it flies like a uh, <laughs> like a pregnant cow or something, you know. All <laughs> the character is gone. Um, so the the really tricky part is like to find where is the glider reactive. Where when 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 I make some changes there and there. Is the reaction that what I want, and can I keep the character and the good performance? And it, and this is not working just with making loops down there. So you have to you have to change the bands inside. You have to change the tension on the leading edge on the on in the front. You have to put out some rigid foils or put some more in. You have to change the position of the A, B, and C lines on, on all the parts of the wing, in the middle, in the star below, in everywhere. So you have so many options, and you need to find the right way. And sometimes this costs you more than a year of just making maneuvers, collapses, uh, changing after every flight. Sometimes you, you change your glider for one hour, then you go up again for the next flight, you land down again, you change it for one more hour, you go up again, and that's the testing day, actually. And at the end of the day, you are not happy. <laughs> mm. Because normally, how is a good flying day ending? With a perfect flight, you know? <laughs> but, in, <laughs> but in testing, sometimes you don't have perfect flights. You just fall from the sky every time and you get really depressed and the designer is on the landing field watching you falling down all the time and he says yeah yeah, i have a brilliant idea now what to change and then all the problems will be gone 
and you know that he isn't right, but you have to do what he does sometimes. <laughs> you go up with the cable car again and think about the next flight and bam, you crash again, or you don't crash, but you fall close to the canopy in the collapse. And sometimes it's quite frustrating to have a period of weeks where you just fall next to the canopy all the time because you cannot manage the thing with the full accelerated collapse. But then once you find a little way and you follow that, and then with the time, with the time, you get it managed somehow. And you would never expect that this pitch of a wing could can also behave really, really nice. You just need to find a way. How how is the wing reacting and where is he reacting when you change something? And, and that's different with every model you have. And how long on average would it take uh you, you know I, ma- I imagine it's pretty similar for all the companies how long from you know on paper to certified wing is that a year three years yeah it depends if if i want to make a completely new product like a high performance enb wing where i don't have anything in my program right now i start with the really i start from zero so that can take at least two, three years, up to 30 prototypes. But if I have a nice model already in my program and I just make changes so for, for this and that for another version, mm. this this you can make in two, three months. Okay, okay. That's not a I got gotcha. you. So, and, and take me through yeah. the the so you, you've your wings done. You've done all the testing. You're you're it's the final prototype. You're ready to send it off to Air Turquoise or wherever you send it to get the certification. Mm-hmm. What happens there? What what are, what are the maneuvers that the wing has to go through for the certification, and who does it? Uh, every certification company has has different test pilots. I know them all from the past. Some I know from ACO competitions, some I know from exhibitions or something. Um, and it's quite it's quite tricky nowadays because today we have three certification companies. So it's kind of a market. It got a bit like a market because in the past we just had the DHB mm-hmm. and everybody had to go there to get the certification. Now we have three. And so these, these three company, companies... They also don't want to lose their customers, like or their mm. paragliding brand. Sure. And so, um, when when I make project like this with one prototype, I go to Alan Sola. With the other proto, uh, with another project, I go to the DHV. With another project, I go to the EPR. So I switch the certification companies every time, um, just to see if they are testing in the same mode or are they doing it different in some way but at the end they test it quite good and and they take it quite serious also that's really important i I understand that the testing process you know used to be quite subjective depending on the pilot but now it's really um what do they actually do there because it's it's really like you know you you do this and you you can't do anything for x amount of time is that right like you have an asymmetric for you know frontal and you, the pilot the test pilot is you know they is it is it still quite subjective depending on the pilot's skill or is it really is it pretty fair in the past sometimes with some projects um i thought the testing method uh, is quite subjective 
subjective and it's not quite fair. But with the future, uh, everybody learned. And I saw then as a responsible test pilot who says, okay, this wing is safe. Let's put it to the certification and to get our um, certification like A or B. Um, if, you have a comp if you have a safe wing, if you have a safe project, it cannot fail the test. It's just if you have a wing what is quite tricky to handle or it... If when you make five collapses, four are okay, but there is just that one when the angle of the collapse is not the right, um, the wing is behaving not nice, and so the test pilot says then, okay, that's that's not safe. So then there can be a subjective part, but at the end I know if my glider is safe in every position in the air, I won't fail any tests and, and the test will be objective. Actually, and they have cameras down there. When we make the test, I'm always on the landing field watching the pilot flying my glider. Um, they have their stripes on the on the lines to measure out angles and stuff. Mm. So, um, and before I give my wing to the certification guy. I go through with him all the details. I tell him everything about the wing and I show him videos of my test flights if he wants. So um, to not to put him under pressure too much because as a certification pilot, it's also quite uh, dangerous somehow. You fly out with a completely new product, you know nothing, and then you should go for the uh, asymmetric collapse and then there will be the big surprise. So um, also the test pilots, they they start quite smooth with the maneuvers and they progress with every flight to, to find out if there are mistakes or not. But if you have worked quite well in the development, there won't be any mistakes and the glider will pass the certification without a problem. And do the, do the, do the maneuvers change as the rating of the wing changes? In other words, do the, do the test pilots have to fly different maneuvers on a D than a B? No, the maneuvers, they are all the time the same. Okay. Okay, so the rating comes from how the wing reacts, depending on each maneuver that they have. What, what? How the wing reacts when the pilot makes no reaction, yes. And how, how many maneuvers D &D, are there? The pilot is allowed to make reactions. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, and how many maneuvers are there that, that the wing has to go through? About 20, about 20, 20 maneuvers. Okay, Yes. and what's the most, what's the one that is the most problematic? As all the time, well, most of the time, it's the full accelerated side and front collapse, mm. or sometimes the spiral. Some gliders still have the tendency to make uh, stable spirals. Okay, that's the two uh, the two main parts where a glider can fail. Um, all the rest is the unaccelerated things. They are they are on the safe side all the time. It's just if you go full on speed bar and and destroy the thing completely above your head, that's the most tricky thing. Gosh, yes. and I and I would think um, you know. So I I mostly only fly two liners and comp gliders, and they're 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 incredibly hard to frontal with you know just by grabbing the A's. I understand in the testing process they put lines on the leading yeah, edge so you can just line. pull it, but um, I, I would yeah. imagine even that is quite subjective. I mean, depends on how hard they pull, or or really that everybody kind of in tune with. Okay, this is how it's done. Well, there is a um, there is a, a sign in the wing 
for the side and the front collapse. They make uh, with the with some with some tape. They make markings on the wings, mm. and on on into this field, the test pilot has to uh, pull the maneuver. So, for example, front collapse. There is a mark on the wing on thirty percent um, of the wing and fifty percent. So, and in between these uh, two markers, the front collapse uh, should be done. So ah. then the test pilot makes it on, on the first marking, then in the middle, then in the marking behind. To And then it doesn't matter how hard he pulls or something, he just have to pull the maneuver into that field, this testing field. Same like with the side collapse. Ah, okay. There are markers on the wings and the test pilot has to fly the collapse exactly on on these markings. Okay, okay, I understand. Okay. From this marking... Um, the reaction of the glider is um, makes the certification. So, what what would happen if, say, Ikaro, you know, the, you you got a C that you're really excited about, and it goes to testing and it passes everything but one, and then and then that the one that doesn't pass puts it into a D. Would you take it back to? Uh, would you just take it back and and clean it up to to still get it to a C, or would you just release it as a D? Um, that's actually also, uh, um, not my decision alone. That's the decision then also of the boss to, uh, have a, have a compromise or not. Mm. And in the past we had, we had a, well, a problem with a, with a freestyle wing, all the maneuvers of this freestyle wing, they were E and A and B, just the spiral was D because it made two turns more after releasing the brake. And then the company said, "Yes, well, let's let's keep it in D because it's just freestyle and it's it's not a big deal ah, okay. for yeah. for this kind of market. Right. But for sure, if you if I have a wing for E and B pilots, for sure, <laughs> everything must be in the in the E and B category. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Um, that's fascinating. Zandy, let, let's switch now. You you teach a lot of SIV, and um, the, the last person we spoke with who talked a lot about SIV was, was Jockey Sanderson. I'd love to find out, because you started teaching it, you know, before... Uh, you know, before the shark nose technology and the kind of pyramidal shaped line. So things were a lot different when you first started teaching it to now. I'd love to just hear the progression of, of SIV, kind of what you've seen change. And yeah, what maybe, maybe I know it's hard to do this verbally, but maybe you could take us through kind of a typical SIV course with you. You know, how many days, what maneuvers are you trying to get everybody through? Um yeah, kind of take us through an S one of your SIVs. Well, um, the SIV is starting on Monday and it ends on Sunday. Okay. And so all the all the good days we have in this week, we use it for flying. At least we should have three or four days in the forecast of good flying weather to start the course. If you if we just have two days of flying weather and the rest is raining or the bad wind, the course is cancelled. Okay. So I just uh, carry out the course when I see my students can fly at least between uh, 7 and 11 or 12 flights in this week, then it makes sense for me because just talking and sitting in the simulator but not much flying, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So if the weather is good, I meet my 14 motivated <laughs> pilots in, 
in my room and it's a totally individual training mode that means that i have pilots who made the license last year and they start with their first collapses and little spirals wing overs and stuff and i have pilots who just want to get the last information from rhythmic to infinity and also some help in such to hilly connections for example and all the rest is in between so that means um, no matter which level pilot has, it can come into my course and he will get his individual trainings plan. And that's also how we start then the course. Like we make individual interviews and where we get the target of the pilots to make their training plan and to see if it's realistic, if he gets it in, in one week or not. And so we build up a training plan for every pilot. Every pilot gets his individual maneuver briefing. And also the beginners, they, they also like to listen if I explain action maneuvers or stuff like this. So everybody learns a lot in quite short time, like in six or seven days. And so the pilots, they are really motivated then. Um, they have lots of information and they have a strict flight plan in my SIVs, so the pilot don't go up and they don't know which maneuver they will gonna make in the next flight. So everything is written down on plan. Everybody knows which maneuver comes on the next step. And so we go that through with 14 students. Everybody makes on a good day, three flights a day. Mm -hmm. So, and at the end of the day, I'm really exhausted. And at, yeah. <laughs> at, at six in the afternoon, it's, it's, <laughs> the course is ending. I need to recover a few hours. And in the next day at eight o'clock in the morning, we start again. Okay. And, and, and what would, what would yeah. a kind of a, you know, take me through your, your, your kind of generic pilot, maybe a, a 50 hour pilot, 70 hour, you know, somebody who's pretty new, who's doing their first SIV, you know, where do you hope to get them by the end of the week? Um, the most important things for me is that he gets the full, um, full accelerated uh, frontal and, and side collapse mm -hmm. managed mm -hmm. and to get the spiral totally managed. Okay. So that's the two most important things for me. Um, if he needs to come down quite quick, he needs to know how to, how to fly the spiral and he needs to know how to recover the accelerated, uh, side collapse. So this is the really basics. What I want to teach for sure. Wing overs are also quite important, but you cannot learn high wing overs in, in, in a few days. That's mm -hmm. not possible, but also to get the first steps into wing over and see how the glider is behaving in this quite complex movement. Um, but the real basics are the collapses and the spiral. And to, would you, would you, would you hope to get them through doing any kind of full, full stalls or acro stalls, or is that too advanced for that first week? Um, well, it depends. It's, um, I cannot say if this is for all pilots, but more or less the, the younger pilots, the, the younger generation, um, they learn quite fast. And they have good progression, and with the, with some of them, we we also make really nice flyback tail slides and little dynamic stalls in also in the first week of the SIV. Mm. And others who are a bit older and and don't have this this fitness also to make every day free flights. They are tired also after one or two flights. They want to have a break. 
So depending on 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 this level, the the pilot learns, or the younger pilots, they learn more than 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 the older generation. Mm. For sure, I, I also see I get older. I don't have the energy anymore like I had twenty years ago during the day. It's it's, it's changing a bit with with the time. What what but, what maneuvers yeah. um, did you used to teach back in you know the kind of mid two thousands that you don't teach now? Are, are there any things that aren't relevant anymore? Um, I teach I teach some maneuvers. I teach them different. But um, there is not a maneuver where I say I I don't do it today anymore. Uh, if the owner manual says every maneuver is okay, for sure we have some wings where they say beast oil is not quite good. Where mm. you when you can read it in the description of the wing, but all the rest, um, I teach for sure the maneuvers in in a different way because also the wings and the constructions changed. But the maneuvers, they are the same like in 2000 also. Okay. And is SIV not, you know, to me, I've had this attitude for years that, you know, if you're flying cross country, you're just taking way too much risk with your life if you don't do very regular SIV. And and so I was surprised to hear from, from Jockey who, like yourself, teaches SIV all the time and has made all the videos and I, I think is a terrific SIV instructor. He didn't actually agree with that. He really felt like, you know, yes, it's it. I, in an ideal world, it it's important for everybody, but it's not for everyone. You know that that for some people, it's just it. Uh, they can still enjoy flying and they can still be a good pilot and and not do SIV because it, maybe it's just too traumatic or too scary. Well, what's your opinion on that? That's also I see also this development, but also more in this in this older flying generation. So mm. um, I know ten or fifteen or twenty years ago, the full stall was not a maneuver; it was just a horrible thing. What can happen in the air and and is shaking? <laughs> and so twenty years ago, my friends, nobody wanted to make full stall or something. It's just now this new generation now. They grew up with this thing, and it's totally different nowadays. Um, the young generation, at first, they learn to fly maneuvers, and then they learn how to take off and land, and then they learn how to thermal. And actually, that that will be a completely different flying generation than the older guys who fly since more than 20 years. They never visit any SIV. They never made any full stall. But... They are still flying also really, really big um, distances. Mm. But for me, this is, this is quite a risky thing because if if I would fly with an attitude like, okay, I'm, I'm really high, I'm fully on speed bar, but now if something happens, I don't have a plan what to do. Mm. Just maybe throwing the risk, but this is a big thrill also for me. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It is for everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, then... There are still a lot of people around there who... who will never make a full stall, but for sure they will fly for more than 10 years in, in the future and make their flights like all the time, you know? Mm. So what, what's your, you know, n- now instead of the 50 to 70 hour pilot, maybe you have the 200 or 250 hour pilot who's maybe coming to you to learn rhythmic sats and helicos and maybe some more advanced stuff, you know, what, what, what do you what what do you like to see in in pilots that may, 
I don't know if you have this term there. You probably do, but we, we call it intermediate syndrome. You know, so you have you have somebody who, and we talk about that a lot on this show because I find it pretty fascinating. But you know, you've gotten through the beginner stuff. You've gotten through the you know the the time where you you have no idea what you don't know, and now you know now you know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> and uh, and you know you're kind of pushing it, and you're trying to learn new things. You know, what, what's your advice? What what do you see in that pilot that that makes you a little bit nervous, and how do you rectify it? How how do you you know take take me through that pilot a little bit? Yeah, that's also. I needed to make my experience also with that in, in, in the last 10, 15 years of making SIVs. In the beginning, I want, wanted to give the pilot everything what I knew in, in, in the fastest way of progression. But I also saw that sometimes it's too much for the pilots. They want too much and they don't see their, their own limits and go much more over their own limits. And then it can get quite dangerous in a very short time. So today it's, it's quite important for these pilots to stay more with the basic stuff to get it 100% managed and then go to the next level. Some, some pilots, they want to... Um, they don't want to spend lots of time in training for just a simple helico. They want to, they want to make twisted heli connections and this and that. Uh, so, but it's better to focus on the basic stuff until you have it one hundred percent, and then you can get to the next step. And for that, you need much time. Mm. And the pilots, they don't wanna, <laughs> they 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 wanna be champion in one two years, but not in ten years. So that's sometimes their, their, their motivation, you know, that the faster the progression, the better it is. But you know, the speech, there are lots of young and good pilots around, but there are not a lot of good old pilots. Yeah. Yeah. No bold old pilots. Yeah, exactly. What maneuver do you like to see a pilot really, really have down? In other words, you know, a, a maneuver that's going to translate into success, whether that be cross-country, thermaling, or just pure safety? Well, I think there are there are two two types of maneuvers. What 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 makes a good skilled pilot? It's full stall and wing overs. Okay. It's like uh, when when you when you when you are able to to maneuver your glider through these two maneuvers in in, in a perfect harmonic way. Um, you have really understood this 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 quite difficult pendulum actually. What <laughs> what we have with our paraglider with this um, <clears throat> with this deep um, weight down there as a pilot. So actually, it's a big pendulum, and 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 you need to understand this and with wingovers and stalls you you really can give good basics um for have lots of successful and nice flights mm. and my students if they if they make nice stalls and 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 wingovers they i'm i'm really happy with them because i know how hard it is in the beginning to learn nice wingovers and and stalls the i think and i think there's so in some ways underappreciated how, how difficult, uh, you know, a really good wing over really does say that you're a pretty good pilot, isn't it? I mean, it's, you, you, you can't just, you can't just get lucky on a wing over, <laughs> you know, you really have to understand yeah. it. There's a lot going on there. And once you, when, when you get it, it's, it's magical. It's a, it's a beautiful maneuver. 
Now let's talk about kind of the expert, you know, the halo syndrome, you know, the pilots that are a thousand hours plus have a lot of experience. They come to you because they're having trouble nailing the infinite or something. You know, what, what's a kind of a common problem you see at that level and, and how do you, how do you deal with that pilot? In the past, pilots were coming to me and said, Xandi, I do so nice rhythmic sets, but as soon as I get really straight close to infinity, my brain says no, and then I stop the glider. So I just need you and your voice and under my helmet to go through this uh, difficult point, and then I will manage the infinity tumbling. Xandi, can we make two, three flights? And in the beginning, I did it because I thought, okay, my voice will be stronger than his brain, hmm. and he, I can get him into this infinity um, maneuver. But I had it then three times where the pilots had a stronger brain than my voice, and so they they made a, they made a little step forward. So they came maybe from 170 to 175 degrees, but then their brain was again stronger. The blockade came again, and they stopped it in the really baddest moment you can stop and they felt yeah quite close into it but they felt close by the canopy and thank god nothing happened they threw the rescue and landed in the water everything was safe um but then i thought okay it's it's not like flying with a radio controlled airplane because there i have the commands all the time it's still this communication system what can be uh, what can have a failure sometime as soon as the pilot starts to think again when he has his his fears in in that maneuver nowadays i just teach rhythmic anymore to 170 degrees and i tell to the pilots the infinity my friend you have to work out on your own Mm. I cannot go through with you on the voice because um, I know what can happen. And actually, since all the SIVs and acro courses I made, I had no accidents at all. And I want to keep it like this. And if I continue with motivating pilots to go from rhythmic uh, to infinite just with my voice, the risk is too big. Mm. actually and maybe sometimes there are some students where i can help and they get the infinity in short time and that's good but with the experience also i made that there are lots of pilots out there who think ah, i i bike sunday for one day i just need a few words for him and then i have the infinity faster than the others but that's the wrong attitude and and with, with the way of thinking you you won't get quite far so Especially with this uh, quite technical and, and dangerous thing, the pilots need to take their time and and to have they have to make this mental training stuff and and fight against their fear to let the glider shoot when it has energy and you just can do it by really serious and safe training and you 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 cannot force it you know this maneuver. Zandia the the. Um you you've been at this game a long time i'm sure you've seen you know too many accidents as we all have what would be your advice you know i, I always ask this question you know if you could look back to your 50 hour self you know what what's it what advice do you wish you would have taken or do you wish you would have gotten but being an instructor and have you know you've done all this instructing what would be the advice you'd want to pass on to the listeners you know to to help them you know be one of the older pilots that that hasn't had an accident, you know, what, what are the, what are the kind of the common threads or the themes that you see that lead to mistakes? Yeah. The advice would be 
don't play too much. It's, we should have fun in this sport. Our sport should be safe. And we are just a guest up there when we are flying. And we should never start to play unserious things with the nature or with our glider. We, When we want to make something, we should prepare everything and ourselves quite good for a new thing. And we shouldn't do it in a quite risky way. So safety safety is cool i think safe safety first and we know we we all know we can we can everybody can enter a maneuver it's no problem to enter a maneuver it's just a question can you also exit the maneuver <laughs> so every new thing what do you want to learn or need to do is it a cross-country flight or is it a maneuver prepare yourself 100 percent. don't fly out think nothing and just pull just Prepare hundred percent. Ask the pros, read books, watch videos, make mental training. Prepare everything. You need to have a plan A, but also a plan B, and maybe also a plan C if plan A and B doesn't work. Mm. And with that preparation, should work. That's that's very applicable to cross country, obviously. Too. I hope listeners put that together. I'm sure they did. But um, yeah, okay, great advice. If someone if someone wanted to tackle acro, and this it's quite tricky for us here in the states because we don't have a lot of water to to train over. There's a few spots, but um, you know I know where you live there in Gerlitzin. We flew by it in the X Alps uh, down near Villach. There, it's just ideal. You've got a gondola, you got a big lake, you got a lot of height. But how would somebody you know? I, I like I know uh, you know the guys who really train hard will go to a place like Organia and train over the dirt because you can just reload. You know, you can get so much more time than you can at say a Garda or Gerlitzen. Um, But you know, if 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 when when younger you know the younger generation comes to you and wants to learn you know all of it, they want to get they're they're a pretty new pilot, but they're totally addicted to acro. What would you suggest for for that pilot in terms of taking that on? You know what what's the what are the steps? And you know is it how much how much of that should be done with an instructor? You know with somebody like you on the radio talking to them. Well, it depends. There are. There are guys who don't need an instructor at all and, and they have so good reflexes. And today, nowadays, you know, the book is out, the acro knowledge is on Trust Acro and on YouTube and everywhere. So actually, if, if you know how a glider is working, you can also go through the internet and, and book and stuff and you can try it on your own also. It's not a problem. I learned acro, uh, acro and the maneuvers completely on my own. There was nobody <laughs> who told me how to do it. So I, I went through everything um, and found the best way out how to manage the maneuver. Um, that's that's the one thing. And there are also pilots, you know, uh, because this life is quite expensive some, somehow if you book courses, if mm. you travel around, mm. you make this and that. And the, this, this young generation, they are really motivated to fly, but they don't have this budget actually to 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 pay all that stuff and Görlitzen is, is one of the cheapest places for flying acro over the water so we have lots of pilots there who are totally motivated but they uh they don't really have the money to make courses and stuff mm. but we have a nice community there where the older the more experienced guys they take the younger ones beside and show them everything that's also what i spread out there um on on this flying site Görlitzen. I say to the experienced ones, take the younger ones, explain them everything, and and 
don't make the hero, just explain them everything and they will come further. And that's a quite good system. What's working there? Everybody helps the other one. Mm. It's a quite good community. Mm. And so at the end, the pilot at least has to ask himself, what does he want to do? Does he want, uh, is it his biggest target to make the first place in the World Cup one time? Or does he want just to make a few nice, good maneuvers? And if you want to compete in the World Cup, for sure, you need to train. If you start from zero, at least one, two, yeah, really motivated guys leave Gallison after two years already and go to Organia and continue there but actually um yes you will see where you are when 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 you spend some years in training like four six five years of training acro quite hard and you are ready for competition then you have made a really really big step and experience if you've survived this this three or four or five years because <laughs> um lots of them Lots of them, they, they, they stop in the middle of the progression because they have a bad accident, they have bad uh, experience or whatever. Mm. So if, if, 100, if 100 motivated pilots come to Gallitzen, maybe yeah, 20 or 30 continue in a few years in Organia, but the rest has seen how much time and energy and motivation it costs to go through this whole procedure to, to be a good acro pilot. And then they see, okay, they have a job, they have a family maybe, or they have, they have also a normal life beside, so there is no much time for training. Yeah, and it's then, a young man's it, game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> where, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not nearly as familiar with acro wings, but in, in cross-country wings, you know, there was this huge jump in, in 2009 uh, that, you know, literally in some ways kind of made a, you know, a hundred mile flight was kind of a big deal. And then it just overnight, it was like 200 miles, a big deal. Has there been the same kind of jump in, in acro wings? And, and then also, where do you see both wings going and with your development in Icaro? Is it, is it, uh, you know, do do you see another big jump like that coming down the pipeline? Mm. Well, also, also after the infinity tumbling, we thought, okay, now, now we have reached the end and, and what will come next now, you know, mm. and I, I, I see lots of potential also in the future, uh, because the materials are changing. Um, and with the materials also our gliders are changing and with new gliders, we can make also new maneuvers. We made lots of experiment experiments with prototypes in the past. Like we we flew with completely closed canopies, like small small pieces where the air can flow in but it will never can flow out and with these wings you have lots of performance in 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 some maneuvers but for other maneuvers it doesn't work at all but we see some some possibilities for the future um and i wouldn't say that there is an end um i i'm sure there will another big wave coming in the next three or four years with, with new inventions of, of the companies with for sure better gliding performance and and also maybe better safety passive safety mm. both in in cross country and and also in acro flying it's it's not over no <laughs> well, that's uh 
That's a perfect. Paragliding is quite young. It's 20 or 30 years right now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It began yeah, in 85 it, or something. It's, so it's too early to make, it. it's too early to say, oh yeah, it's all been done, isn't it? No, it's, just, there's, it's, it's fascinating. Yes. I think it just yeah. feels like we're just getting started. Yes. Well, that's a, Danny, that's a great place to end. I, I think that leaves us thinking good thoughts about the future. Is there anything else you want to add, uh, maybe about your company or about your uh, your SIVs before we close or any other, you've given some great advice, any last advice to our listeners and then uh, and before we close, and then I look forward to doing some flying with you this next spring. I'm going to be over in Gerlitz and doing some training. So I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, that will be awesome. Yeah, but um, you told it already. Well, it's not an advice. It's an invitation for all the pilots out there. Come to Gerlitz and come to my Flieger base. Enjoy the cool atmosphere we have on the landing place and a few cool drinks and the good vibes are already there so because i always uh, or i i visited other countries a lot in the past and now i got based there on gallitzen i have a beautiful place and every pilot who comes from another country is really welcome at us so we have really great times there yeah it's a it's an awesome place i i I have to tell you a quick little story about my my most recent. I, I've flown Gerlitz in quite a bit, but yeah, during the X Alps this year, yeah, I had a really bad third day uh, going into Slovenia, and and uh, and anyway, didn't get to the turn point. Got behind some really bad weather, and the next day was was pretty good. It it, it ended up ODing later in the day quite violently. It was a monster day, but um, just as I was coming across from the south side and coming across the valley, I don't know what that valley name is. The the, but basically crossed onto the Gerlitz inside. Um, and I was just down maybe five or six kilometers from the launch, the kind of standard launch there at Gerlitz. And, and the sky was going ballistic. So I oh. top landed real quick. <laughs> it was really gray and just about to rain. And I, I top landed near some little houses and it, quite, probably maybe 200 meters higher than the Gerlitz and launch. So I was set up really well for a relaunch, which I never got to do because the day just totally deteriorated. But uh, I landed near this car and uh, just, just as it started drizzling a little bit, you know, so it was, it was, it was perfect timing. And this wonderful lady came out. They were, she and her family were renting a little place there. It was like an Airbnb kind of thing. And she came out and, you know, of course, curious, what in the world are you doing here? No one's ever landed here. And they invited me in and uh, gave me some, you know, big jug of cranberry juice. Of course, they wanted to give me beer, but I was still racing. So I, I didn't take her up on the beer, but, uh, you know, this huge plate of salami and cheese and all this stuff. It was just, it was one of the highlights of the race, actually. Actually, I mean, of course, I would have wanted to have been flying, but it's such a friendly area. It's, it's just an amazing place to go. So, yeah, I would encourage everybody to get out to Austria and and fly that cool zone, awesome triangle place. And then you've got you've got such a good spot for acro. But well, cool. Well, Zandy, thanks so much again. I really appreciate your time. That was a lot of fun, and I look forward to flying with you here in a few months. Thank you, also, and also looking forward to meeting you there in spring and enjoy some nice air time together. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, bud. If you're getting something out of this podcast, I encourage you to support us. This is a listener-supported show. All we ask for is a buck a show, but it shouldn't be a stretch. If that's a stretch, uh, you know, if that's cutting into your Starbucks in the morning, that is not what this is supposed to be. It's free. It's supposed to be free, and it will always be free. But um, but if you can support us financially, awesome. You can do that through cloudbasedmayhem.com, our website, or through Patreon, patreon.com 
forward slash cloud-based mayhem. You'll find all kinds of cool like rewards and stuff and where you can just set it and forget it on that site. But you could also support us by just posting on Facebook or spreading the news or talking about it on the way up to launch, uh, following my stuff on Facebook or Instagram. That's the kind of stuff. That's ways that I can convert into currency through my sponsors. So lots of different ways to support us. What this is all about is just spreading the knowledge, spreading the love and making us all safer and fly farther. So enjoy. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next show. Cheers.